Well, we are in a series uh, called Gospel Reset, where we're looking at the book of Galatians, which very, very clearly lays forth the foundations of our faith in Jesus Christ by presenting the pure, unadulterated, unmitigated gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. We are saved by Jesus plus nothing, and in him we have everything, the blessings of eternal life. So let's give our attention to the reading of the word, Galatians chapter 5. We're going to look at verse 16 through the end of the chapter, verse 26. This is God's word. Let's give our attention to it. But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things that you want to do. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are evident. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, against such things there is no law, and those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also walk by the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. This is God's word. Let's go to him in prayer. Oh, Lord, our God, we thank you for this scripture. We thank you for the glorious picture that it paints of the Christian life. We pray that as we study these words, that we would be encouraged to walk in a manner worthy worthy of our calling. And we pray, Holy Spirit, that you would transform us more and more, day by day, into the image of Jesus, our Savior. It is in his name that we pray. Amen. How do people grow? How do people change? How do we break bad habits? How do we develop good habits? How do stressed out, angry, selfish, addicted people become loving, calm, joyful, generous people? Do we change from the inside out Or do we change from the outside in? This summer I was reading an interesting book called Atomic Habits by James Clear. Have any of you read that book? Atomic Habits by James Clear. I eventually broke down and read it after Amazon continuously recommended it to me for the last year and a half. I said, enough already, I'll read the book. And I found it was a pretty good book. In the book, uh, James Clear describes himself as an advocate for useful ideas. I like that. My dream in life is to be an advocate of useful ideas. 
Now, in the book, Clear essentially promotes a mostly outside-in approach to change. He says, you are the sum total of your habits. What you do on a day-to-day basis eventually becomes who you are. If you read for 30 minutes a day, eventually over time, you will become a reader. If you run for 30 minutes a day, eventually, over time, through that habitual habit, you will become a runner. If you invest little by little, month after month, eventually, you'll become an investor. You get the idea. First comes your activity, and then, over time, your activity becomes your identity. Every choice that we make, according to Clear, is a vote for our desired identity, which, he says, is flexible and not fixed. Canadian psychologist Jordan Peterson makes a similar argument in his book, 12 Rules for Life, urging his mostly young male readers to make their beds, to stand up straight with their shoulders back, and then... Something weird about lobsters. That part of the book was a little bit confusing. But again, the point is for both writers that change happens from the outside in. Peterson's book is tellingly called 12 Rules for Life. You change if you follow the rules. Clear's book is called Atomic Habits. We change, according to Clear, by developing new habits habits. In both books, doing leads to becoming. Our activity becomes our identity. The question is, is that right? Is that biblical? Is that how people really change? Do we need new habits? Do we need new rules? It's interesting to note that Peterson followed up his wildly successful book, 12 Rules for Life, with another book called 12 More Rules for Life. (laughs) Apparently, he was just getting started with the first book. It seems to prove the point that Paul makes in the book of Galatians, that once you start making rules and regulations, well, you just kind of have to keep going and going and going, and it never really ends. The Apostle Paul has a starkly different perspective. According to the Apostle Paul, we don't change from the outside in. We change from the inside out. According to Paul, our activity flows from our identity. Our affections promote and fuel our actions. In other words, we do, we practice what we love. Change happens as we become more and more who we already are in Christ. Or to use more explicitly theological language, our sanctification flows from our justification. We change not from the outside in, but from the inside out. We, we do not, we are not saved because we keep the law. We keep the law because we are saved. The gospel is the root of our salvation. We are saved by grace through faith in Jesus. 
who loved us so much that he died on the cross for us to pay the penalty for our sins. That is the root of our salvation. Holiness is the fruit of our salvation. We change as the Holy Spirit more and more, day by day, applies that gospel truth to every aspect of our life, allowing us to become more and more slowly, organically like Jesus. As he takes the gospel into our minds and our hearts and redefines our thinking about sexuality, about spirituality, about society, about sobriety, Jesus changes everything. If we want to grow, if we want to change, we don't need more law, more rules and habits. We need more Jesus. The same gospel that saves us is the gospel that changes us. So how does that work? Do we just sort of sit back idly by and passively wait for God to change us? How do we live lives that reflect the radically redemptive love of Jesus Christ? Well, in Galatians chapter 5, the Apostle Paul shows us how. By giving us four principles for change. Four ways to grab hold of the amazing, awe-inspiring, life-changing power of God the Holy Spirit. First, walk. Second, fight. Third, evaluate. And fourth, remember. So walk, fight, evaluate, and remember. For Christians, change is slow, change is organic, but remember, change is inevitable. It doesn't happen overnight, but the root of the Holy Spirit does produce the fruit of the Holy Spirit every single time. And that means there's hope. We can grow. We can change. We can change our lives, we can change our family trees, and eventually we can change the world. Now that's a bold promise, but it comes not from me, but from Paul writing under the authority and inspiration of God, the Holy Spirit. So how do we do it? Let's take a closer look. First big idea, change happens as we walk. Verse 16, but I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. Now, before you apply this by standing up and just walking out of here, let me explain to you what the Apostle Paul means when he says that we are to walk by the Spirit. Here's the point. Change happens in the context of, of relationships change happens when we walk with god and change happens when we walk with the people of god the church if you want to change or if you want someone that you love to change you can't just say here go read this book here listen to this sermon 
here, here's a list of things that you should do, and here's a list of things that you should stop do. Start doing the good things, stop doing the bad things, and you'll be changed. It doesn't work like that. If we want to change, we have to walk with God the way Noah walked with God, the way Enoch walked with God. The way Abraham and Moses walked with God. The way Ruth and Naomi walked with God. The way Mary and Martha walked with God. The way the apostles and disciples walked with God. When it comes to change, there is nothing more important than your relationship with God. Christianity is more than a certain set of ideas about God. It's more than a philosophy. It's more than ethics. It's more than a code of conduct. It's walking with God and talking with God and listening to God and practicing the presence of God. Your life will not change until you have a living relationship with the living God. Your life will change the moment you say, God, I want to know you. God, I want to be known by you. God, I want to trust you more and love you more and enjoy you more. I want you to be with me every day of my life. I want to walk by your Spirit and not according to the sinful desires of my flesh. The question for you and for me and all of us, whether we're here in person or watching at home, is have you said that? Do you believe that? Do you have a personal relationship with God? How does it happen? The good news of the gospel is that you can have a personal relationship with God. You can know God, and you can be known by God. Why? Because the one thing that is separating you from God, your sin, has been taken away. Jesus died on the cross and in so doing bore our curse in his body on the tree so that the sin which separates us from God could be wiped away forever and ever. Amen. But not only that, not only did God take away the curse of our sin, the penalty of our sin, he took away all the junk that comes along with our sin. He took away our guilt. He took away our shame. He took away our feelings of inadequacy. He took away this sense that wherever God is or whoever God is, he's probably disappointed with me. This sense that I can never do enough, that I can never measure up, that I can never become the person that God really wants me to be. Colossians 2.14, all of this and so much more, he took away, nailing it to the cross. But that's not all. As important it is to walk with God, to have a personal relationship with God, we also have to walk with God's people. Change happens within the context of a believing community. 
Remember, the book of Galatians wasn't written to just one person. It wasn't even written to just one church. It was written to a series of churches, a network of churches. In our language, we might call it a presbytery. Remember, verse 16, where it uses the word you, the word you is plural. If we walk by the Spirit together, we will change. Change happens as we confess our sins to one another. Change happens as we build each other up in the most holy faith. Change happens as we hold each other accountable. Change happens as we bear one another's burdens. Change happens when we laugh together. Change happens when we cry together. When we celebrate birthdays and anniversaries and holidays and milestones. When we mourn over funerals and cancer diagnoses and lost jobs and failed promotions and all the setbacks we experience in life. Proverbs 27, 17 memorably says that iron sharpens iron and one person sharpens another. If we want to change, we have to walk with God, but we also have to walk with God's people. Change happens in the context of those two very, very important relationships. Second big idea, change happens not only as we walk, change happens as we fight. Verse 17, for the desires of the flesh are against the spirit, and the desires of the spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things that you want to do. Here's what Paul's saying. When you become a Christian, who you are goes to war with who you were. Your new desires go to war with your old desires. Your new nature in Christ goes to war with your old nature in Adam. Paul talks about this at length in the book of Romans. Romans chapter 7. I'm going to read a couple verses. If you haven't read the chapter, read the whole thing. It's remarkable. We get a, a glimpse inside the inner working and life of the apostle Paul. He writes, so I find it to be a law that when I want to do right, evil lies close at hand. For I delight in the law of God in my inner being, but I see in my members another law waging war against the law of my mind and making me captive to the law of sin that dwells in my members. In other words, Christianity is a fight. It's a battle between who we were and who we are. Now, while it's true that there are certainly times when we face external forces, there are false teachers and demonic powers, friends often fail us and foes often assail us, what Paul is saying is the real fight, the real battle, the real war happens right here. It happens in our hearts. 
It happens in our chests. The hard truth of the Christian life is that our sinful desires never fully go away. Now, often they diminish as we mature in the faith, as we grow in the faith. I hope that 10 years from now, you are more mature than you are today. I pray that for you, and I think that there's good reason to believe that we can indeed make progress in holiness, obedience, love, justice, fairness. All that is a good thing. But the minute that we hang the banner that says, Mission Accomplished, We're set up for failure. The minute that we say, I don't struggle with that sin anymore, Satan reaches out and puts a stick in the spokes of our bicycle. And we tumble head over heels onto our faces. Here's what Paul told the Corinthians about this ongoing battle with sin. He writes in 1 Corinthians 10, Let anyone who thinks that he stands... Take heed, lest he fall. That's the bad news. The battle against sin never stops. The fight for holiness never ends. Here's the good news. Because of Jesus, we can fight back. Because of Jesus, we might lose some battles, but we are going to win the war. Because Jesus won the war, and we are in Jesus, and His Spirit is in us. He conquered sin and death on the cross. That means the real me, Paul says, is not who I was in Adam, It's not my sinful nature. That's not the real me anymore. The real me is who I am in Christ. The real me is who I am by the power of His Spirit, which produces love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and gentleness and self-control. And so my encouragement to you is to fight the good fight. Go to war with your fallen nature. Go to war with the remaining sin that's in your life. Fight for holiness. Fight for purity. Fight for love. You won't win every battle, but by the grace of God, you will win the war. Third big idea Change happens not only as we walk and not only as we fight, change happens as we evaluate. If we want to change, we have to take an honest inventory of our lives. We have to take an honest look in the mirror. What kind of fruit am I producing? What kind of life am I living? It doesn't matter if I feel like I'm smart What does my report card say? It doesn't matter if I feel like I'm a Christian or say that I'm a Christian. What does my life say? Does my life bear witness to the fact that the Holy Spirit is active in my life? Verse 19. Now the works of the flesh are evident. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, 
envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. I warn you as I warned you before that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against these things there is no law. In these verses, Paul gives us two very distinct lists, two lists that help us evaluate ourselves. First, he lists the work of the flesh. He mentions sexual sins. He mentions spiritual sins, idolatry, sorcery. He represents many social sins, sins that we commit against one another in relationships. And he mentions substance sins, as in substance abuse, drunkenness, and in this context, orgies is not a sexual thing. It's, it's like a drunken orgy, like carousing on Bourbon Street. It's that sort of sin that he's mentioning here. He then contrasts those works of the flesh, those sinful nature, with, with the fruit of the Spirit. Again, love, joy, peace, patience. You see the list. Now, we could go through each one of these items, item by item. We could look at all of the sins that he mentions here, all the works of the flesh. We could look at all the fruit of the Spirit, one by one. And I think that there's a place for that. Many pastors have preached whole series on just the fruit of the Spirit. But what I want us to do right now is to take our focus off of the trees so that we can see the forest as a whole. I want to ask us a big question, which is this. Which of these two lists is a better description of your life? Now, of course, we just said that we're going to be fighting against sin the rest of our lives. Nobody is perfect. I'm not expecting you to be perfect. I hope you're not expecting me to be perfect. We all struggle with sins. But if you handed these two lists to one of your coworkers and said, which one of these lists best describes me, what would they say? What would your friends say? What would your teachers say? What would your parents say? And more important than any of that, what would God say? Good trees produce good fruit, and bad trees produce bad fruit. So how do we become good trees? Are we back to the 12 rules? Are we back to the atomic habits? How do we start to get this fruit of the Spirit in our life? Well, Jesus tells us. In one of the most amazing verses in the Bible, he says, let me tell you how people change. I am the vine, and you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. That's humbling, is it not? Apart from Jesus, we can do nothing. But let me encourage you by the flip side of that statement. With Jesus, we can do anything. 
We can break the power of addiction over our life. We can break the power of these generational sins, things that our families have struggled with for generation after generation after generation. We can be loosed. We can be set free by the power of the Spirit if we are engrafted into Christ. He is the vine, and we are the branches. Are you in Christ? Is Christ in you? Do you see the fruit of the Spirit in your life? You have to evaluate yourself, or better yet, allow someone else to evaluate you. We walk and we change and we grow through careful consideration of our lives. Fourth big idea, last one, change happens as we remember Verse 24, and those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. What's your motivation for change? Is it guilt or is it gratitude? Are you trying to improve your life in order to earn God's love? Or are you trying to change your life to celebrate God's love? It seems like a very subtle distinction, but it makes all the difference in the world. What's your motivation? If you're a Christian, we are called to remember, Paul writes, that we belong to Jesus Christ. If you're a Christian, the old you, the sinful you, the dead you, has been nailed to the cross. If you're a Christian, you are not a victim of sin. If you are a Christian, you are a victor over sin. Why? Because you are in Christ and Christ is in you. That means his victory over sin is your victory over sin. So important. In every other religion, in every other philosophy, in every other self-help book that you will read, you read these two lists, and then you say, hey, if I can do everything on the good list and stop doing everything on the bad list, then God will love me and have a wonderful plan for my life. God will be pleased with me. God will accept me. Remember that in Christianity, grace comes first. The gospel comes first. If you're a Christian, you belong to Jesus. The old you is dead and the new you is alive. The old you now, because of Jesus, has as much power as you give it. No more, no less. And so remember Jesus. Remember the gospel. Don't forget who you were. Remember who you are. The good news that we hear in Galatians chapter 5 is that we can grow. We can change if we walk with God, if we walk with the church, if we fight for holiness, if we resist the sin that so easily comes up in our lives, 
if we evaluate our lives, if we check our fruit, are we producing good fruit? Are we producing bad fruit? If we remember, if we remember Jesus and the gospel of his grace, we don't need more law. We don't need more rules. We don't need new habits. We need more Jesus. Jesus changes everything. Let's go to God in prayer. Our gracious God and Heavenly Father, we thank you for the Holy Spirit who applies your finished work to our hearts. I pray, Lord God, that we would indeed grow, that we would indeed change, that we would not settle for who we are today, but that we would grow stronger and bolder and more compassionate and more loving, that we might reach out to those in need more and more, day by day, overwhelmed by your love and motivated by your joy. Hear our prayer. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.